Thanks for listening to our Market Street podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more information, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are just wrapping up this series that we called Catch My Drift. Catch My Drift. And all of us have areas in our life where we have a tendency, it's, it's sort of subtle, we have a tendency to kind of drift away. We, we have a tendency, it's very subtle, it just, you know, happens over a period of time where we drift away from things. And we've been talking about, you know, different different kinds of things that, we, you know, easy for us to sort of lose focus on and, and not pay attention to. And that's really been our key, you know, point over these last few weeks is paying attention, paying attention, paying attention, paying attention to our, our time. You know, paying, paying attention, you know, to, to, to different areas of, of life that we need to really, really start to pay attention to. And so our verse that we pull that from is in Hebrews chapter number two. It says this, it says, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. And so what we've been saying is, is simply this, is that we must anchor our lives to the authority of God's word. We must anchor our lives to the authority of God's word, lest the ship of life drift past the truth of what we've heard. And so that's really been our, our call. That's really been our, our ambition. That's really hopefully been your purpose is that you say, you know what, I want to know what's true. I want to know what's real. I want to I anchor my life on the authority of, of God's word because that's truth, that's real, that's what God has for me, that's a plan that God has, a purpose that God has for me, and that's the reason why I exist. And so if I'm not doing that, what, what happens is, is that we'll tend to sort of drift past, we'll sort of drift away from the plan that God has, the purposes that God has for us, and we'll drift, drift, drift past you know, from the truth of what we, what we know, what we've heard before, what people have shared with you, what people, and people have tried to encourage you with. And so, so today, today, we're going to talk about the idea of paying attention to troubles, paying attention to troubles. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I have some things that are troubling in my life. I don't know. Do you have things that are troubling in your life? Do you have, oh, okay, good. I'm not alone. That we have a life that, of troubles. And when we talk about troubles, we, you know, we're going to look at words today, like, and it all sort of means the same. We, you know, we're going to look at words today that say tribulation. You know, tribulations is, is a word that we're going to look at, but it means troubles in our life. We, you know, we're going to look at a word like trials. You know, you, you're gonna, you have and we have trials in our life, and, and we're going to look at that today, and it's, it's all under the umbrella of, of troubles. And we're going to look at testing, testing, and, and some of the times that when we go through troubles, it's, it's oftentimes or it can oftentimes be a time of testing, and we'll talk about what, what that looks like. And so Peter talks a lot about this because Peter was writing a letter to a group of people that were going through some major, major troubles in their life. They were experiencing what we call persecution for being a Christian. That was what they were experiencing. They were being so persecuted that they were afraid for their lives so much so that they you know uprooted where they grew up at they picked up where they lived and they had to move away they had to get out of town in order for them to preserve their life now that's troubles isn't it 
Those are troubles. And so Peter is writing to these people who are experiencing what it looks like to be a Christian at a time where you weren't sure if you were going to live the next day because of your faith and your trust that you put into Jesus. And so that's sort of the context to this. And so Peter says this. He says, um, for 1 Peter 1.6, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. He says, listen, I, he goes, even right now, even though for a little while, and we talked about way back, you know, in week, week two, we talked about that we need to pay attention to our time. Why? Because our time is, is short. Our time is, is limited. And so we need to pay attention to that time because it's, it's, it's the way that life is. It's just short. And so Peter's saying, listen, even though now for a little while, if necessary, he says, you have been distressed by various trials. There's all sorts of types of trials. As a matter of fact, that word various that word various is a word that's poikilos, poikilos, okay, which means different colors, different colors. In other words, he says you are going through th different things, different trials, different colors. Now, I brought with me, um, you know, so from home, these are just a few of my markers that, that I brought with me from home. And all of us go through different kinds of trials. So we have this color, red, okay, it's different colors. This color, red, red represents things that make you angry, things that make you angry. There's some things in life, various colors of life. So red, something that makes you angry, something that, you know, maybe delays you from getting to work. Maybe, you know, you have a flat tire and, and you're like, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me right now? I'm already late for work or, you know, something doesn't pan out. It's something that really makes you angry. We, we have that kind of trial. We have this kind of trial, which is something what, like pink, where I would say that these are things that maybe cause embarrassment, these are things that cause embarrassment in our life. Things that, you know, we don't want to talk about. We don't, we don't want to tell anybody, like my black eye, you know, if you were here last week. You know, these are things that cause embarrassment. But these are various kinds of trials that we, that we deal with. Maybe your, tri your color is yellow. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you've been, you know, you know, somebody's walked away from you. And if it's caused you to be cautious, it's caused you to sort of hesitate. It's caused you to sort of say, you know what, I don't know if I can move forward in this, in this area of my life because of the way that I've been treated, the way that I've been abused or betrayed or, you know, mistreated. I'm, so I'm sort of cautious. And these are various kinds of trials that we, that we find in ourselves. Maybe there's days that you just feel blue. Right? There's just days that you just feel blue. You feel sad. You feel it just circumstances come up, situations happen, and, and all of us have these things, maybe relational things that happen, that you just feel sad on days. Maybe your color is black, and your color is, a, a, is, is, is grief. Your color is a color of mourning. 
Maybe you've heard some things or maybe you lived some things recently in your life and you've experienced tremendous amount of loss which brought about a tremendous amount of grief and hurt and pain in your life. Maybe that's your color. I don't know what your color is, but according to Peter, he says all of us have various different kinds of trials. All of us have different kinds of troubles. All of us have different colors of circumstances that happen in our life. And maybe you're like, That's, that whole can is me right now. <laughs> like all of this is emotions that I experience multiple times a day or a week. Maybe that's where you're at right now. I don't know where it's at, where you're at. But listen, here's what he's telling us. He says, listen, that, this is going to happen for all of us. This happens to every single one of us. He says this, though. He says, look, he says this. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. And then he goes on and says, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by, by various colors of, of trials. He says, but in this you greatly rejoice. And so I want us to just come around that for just a minute and, talk, and, and look at what he's talking about when it talks about in something, even though we go through various trials, what is it that we should greatly rejoice in? And, and here's where he says, starts out in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's really good news, isn't it? He says, listen, I want you to, this is what you can take joy in. That there is a God who is a father to you. He is a perfect father to you. And that father has given to you and I some great mercy. And, and Paul wrote it in another way. He says that he was rich in mercy. He was rich in mercy. He was like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett together kind of rich in mercy. He says, I want you to understand that. That God, Father, loves you, gave you mercy when you didn't deserve any kind of mercy because of our sin has caused us to be born again. This is also good news. That God has caused us to be brand New, brand new, not behavior change alteration, but brand new creation through Christ Jesus. New genes, a divine nature, not a sinful nature, but now a divine nature born again to a living hope. A living hope, not a hope that you and I hold on to sometimes that fades away and dies off. But he says, I've got a living hope for you, a hope that is, is and he, he tells us, he says, a hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a hope. And then he explains that even further. He says this, to obtain an inheritance, an inheritance He's like, this is the hope that we have. That he says, I, I want to describe it like it's, a, like it's somebody that passes something down. Somebody that has tremendous wealth. Why? Because he was rich in mercy. Somebody that has tremendous wealth is now passing something down to a family member. Which, by the way, is you and I if we know Jesus. We are sons and daughters of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So whatever Jesus has inherited... You and I get to inherit. 
And that, yeah, that's worth clapping for. That inheritance, he says, is imperishable. That inheritance will not perish. And that inheritance is undefiled, which means unstained. That inheritance will not fade away when all of the things in this world will eventually fade away. You will receive an inheritance that will never die, that will never be stained by the world, and that will never be decayed by the world. And by the way, he says, that's reserved in heaven for you. And so Peter's telling, yeah, Peter's telling us, I know you're going through a color, a rainbow full of emotions and trials. But in this, you should greatly rejoice. You are born again. You receive an inheritance. And that inheritance will never fade away and is reserved for you in heaven. Jesus says that where I am, you will be with me also. I have gone and prepared a place for you. You may never have a place or position in this life, but God Almighty, creator, sustainer, maker of everything has prepared a place for you in heaven. Rejoice in that. Now, what can we learn about troubles? Troubles power on the peace of God to the body, singular and plural. The troubles power on the peace of God to the body, singular and plural. I'll tell you what I mean by that. But before I do that, Jesus said this. Jesus tells us this, John 16, He says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In me, you may have peace. Troubles power on the peace of God. Troubles power on the peace of God. He, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. He says, in the world you have tribulation. In the world you have difficulties. In the world you have hardships. In the world you have challenges. In the world, you have things that make you sad. In the world, you have things that bring you mourning. In the world, there's things that make you feel, you know, depressed. In the, in the world, there's things that make you upset. That's the world that we live in. But he says, but be, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus said, I want you to be an overcomer. I don't want your troubles to overcome you. I want you to know that you can overcome your troubles. But you can do that. And the only way Jesus says that you can do that is by being in him. So, for example, This is peace. This is life. This is you can be born again. This is you can be resurrected. This is you can find a place reserved in heaven for you. That's what this is. Some of us, though, are like feet in this world. 
And we sometimes in this world walk into high-pressure situations that makes, makes us anxious. We walk around in this world that makes us feel grief and sadness and loss and pain and hurt. We walk around in this world. This is the kind of world that we have. We also have some things in this life. And again, we are you know, a part of something that is bigger than all of us. But in this, we can have peace. And we can have life. And we all have different roles that we play. Okay? We all have feet. Some of us are feet. Some of us are hands. If you were here with us last week, you remember this analogy that the Apostle Paul gave us about what we are, right? We are the body. He says, listen, he goes, in, in me, in me, you can, have, you can have peace. You can have peace. He says, but you know, also you need to know that in this world, outside of me, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have tribulations in your life outside of me. But he says, you know what? In me, you can have peace. You know, in me, you're going to experience things. People are going to talk about you. People are going to talk poorly of you. You maybe have, you know, a mouth that you're like, I don't know why only negative things come out of my mouth. But I just want you to know that in him, when you're in him, you can have peace. That you don't have to say things that are hurtful. That you don't have to contribute to things that, are, that, you know, that, that degrade people or put people down. You don't have to have your hands to things that you think that I've got to try to make it work. And I've got to put, you know, make it happen for my family. But you can know that in me, in him, you can have peace through the situation. So whatever you're walking around in the things of this world, you can know that in him, regardless of where you're walking around at in the things of this world, that in him, you can have peace. But outside of him, tribulations. Outside of him, no peace. Outside of him, no understanding of why things are happening to us. But in him, you can know that you, regardless of what you're going through, you can have peace. And maybe for you, maybe you're like, man, I have a situation that, man, just, have you ever walked in a situation like, this just smells bad? Like, I don't... Like, you ever smell something, you're like, this isn't good, right? Like, you know, like, you walk into your house, and like, you smell something burning, and you're like, this is bad, right? This is bad. You can know that when you walk into your house, and you smell something burning, you can, in him, you can have peace. You can have peace. Not in him, no peace. In him, Peace. Not in him, no peace. In him, I know, I, all week long I just think of these amazing analogies. I know. I play with my kids' toys and things come to me. It's just, it's just how it works. So, yeah, yeah. I, I only work on Sundays, so every other day of the week I'm just playing with my kids' stuff, you know, and God just gives me these awesome analogies that are just blowing your mind right now, that you're like, how long is he going to do this? Oh, I got, all, I, got, I got more pieces that I can do, you know. Maybe you hear things that make you upset. I don't know. But all I know is that whatever you see or whatever you hear or whatever you walk into or whatever you have your hands in, 
that in spite of the tribulations, in spite of the troubles, in spite of the hurts, in spite of the pains, in him, peace. So whatever you go, whatever happens to you, whatever circumstances comes your way, you can know, I hope you know this, that in him, Jesus said, come on, come on, in this world, troubles. Jesus didn't shy away from that. He didn't try to avoid that. He didn't try to skirt over that or around that. He says, listen, I want you to know that in this world, troubles, and you and I have been in this world long enough to know that he was right. But he says, I've got, I've got something to offer you as you walk through this world. And you may be an ear or a hand or a foot or a nose or eyes or a mouth. Whatever you are, it doesn't matter. We're, the point is, is that when you're in him, that's peace. That's peace. And so he says, he says, oh, listen, I want you to know that for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So when you're in him, whoever is born in him, born, born again in him, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, he says. The victory that overcomes the world is our faith in him. That God, I believe, I believe God, that in you, I trust that in you, I put my hope in you, I lean my life into you. And when I do that, regardless of what happens in this life, I know that I have peace in you. And that's the singular. That's what powers on in troubles. The peace of God. It's what powers on in the peace of God through trials and troubles in our life. But, but it's even more than that because it's not just singular, it's also plural. Look what he, he says. He says this in Colossians 3.15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That idea of rule means that somebody, that somebody is in charge, means that somebody, something is in control, that something is dictating. So what he's saying is this, he's saying this, don't let anger rule your heart. Don't let grief rule your heart. Don't let embarrassment rule your heart. Don't let sorrow rule your heart. Don't let cautiousness rule your heart. Whatever color you are, whatever variation of color happens to you on a day-to-day -day basis, don't let that rule your heart. He says, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. And he goes on, he says this, to which indeed you were called into one body. He says, listen, here's what you need to know. That in this, not Mr. Potato Head, but in Christ, that you are one body. In other words, here's what this looks like. He says, listen, some of you may be a foot, some of you may be a hand, some of you may be an ear, some of you may be an eye, some of you may be a nose, some of you may be a mouth. This is the analogy that Paul gives talking about the body of Christ, right? You with me? Okay. He says, listen, together... This just makes, so this goes back to, to last week, right? Together, pay attention to together. He says, together, this just helps us keep peace. 
He says, knowing that we have the peace of, of God, we should be at peace with one another. So that's just a side note. That's a sermon for another time. But he says, but together we can also have peace. And the hand is saying, I'm praying for the ear. And the eyes are saying, I'm praying for the nose. And the nose is saying, I'm praying for the mouth. And the mouth is saying, I'm praying for the feet. I'm praying because I know that the feet are going through it. And the hand is going through it. And the ear is going through it. And the eyes are going, are going through it. I know that they are all going through it. Why? Because we're all connected together. And so when the, when the peace of God comes, the peace of God not only comes to you individually... But the peace of God comes to all of us together. And that's why we're better together. And he says this is what powers on the peace of God. Knowing that together, together, we will experience and have peace when we need it most. He says this, or I'll, I say this. <laughs> Peter then supports it. No, other way around. Peter says it. I say this is what Peter's saying. Troubles prove a precious faith. Troubles prove a, a precious faith. Okay, so here we go. Peter says, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by, by various trials. He says, verse 7, so that the proof of your faith. So he's saying, listen, you're, you go through various trials, various kinds of situations. He says, this will then, this has the potential then to prove your faith. He says, so that, or so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire. And as you know, those of you that have been in church, you know, for a long time, as you know, you've heard that in ancient days, that a goldsmith would hold the most valuable, the most precious thing that they had, which was gold. It was their, it was their greatest monetary value that they had. It was the most precious possession that anyone could have. And they would take that gold and they would place that gold, a goldsmith would place that gold into a hot fire, right? You know this, right? And then when the place was, it was placed in that hot fire, the imperfections of that gold would come out to its purest form. And when they would know it was done, the goldsmith would know by seeing his own reflection in the gold. This is the picture. This is the analogy that Peter is giving to every one of us. That at times as you go through trials. That those trials may be tests. And as, as you go through those tests. You are being held in the fire. So that the imperfections can come out of you. And the reflection of Jesus can be seen through this is what he's saying. He says, this will prove your faith. This will determine 
just like gold was determined by the value. He says, this will determine your faith just like it determines gold. This will determine your faith. This will prove what kind of faith you have. And so we are there going to be people that say, you know what? I'm, come on, God, I don't like it. And we don't have to like it. We don't have to enjoy it. But he says, listen, God, I know that this is only making me more like you. And I'm going to receive it. And instead of drifting away, because this is what will happen. What happens is, is that when we receive this, these troubles, it makes us want to say, God, why are you allowing this? God, why did this happen? God, where are you? God, do you even care? God, are you even listening? God, I prayed and it didn't change. God, I did everything necessary and nothing happened the way that I wanted it to happen. And we subtly begin to move away from God and we drift and God's going no I want you to stay in it because I'm doing something in and through you that you can't do on your own because I'm not just going for behavior modification I'm going for perfection I'm going for the world needs to see more of me not more of you, and certainly not more of Pastor Chris. That the world needs to see more of Jesus, and oftentimes, just like Jesus had to go through trials, just like Jesus had to go through temptations, just like Jesus had to go through agony, just like Jesus had to go through grief, just like Jesus had to go through anger, just like Jesus had to go through shame, just like Jesus had to go through embarrassment. All that was for was him Preparing the way for us to say, listen, you, just like I go through that, you go through that because that makes you more like me. And that's what the world needs. Because what the world needs, it gets plenty of tribulation. But what the world needs is it needs peace. And it needs people that are willing to stick in it, to hang in the fire long enough so that they can prove to a world that there's not a dead hope, that there's a living hope. And we don't live for the here and the now. We live for a place that is reserved for us in heaven where we were born again and we will be resurrected from the grave and we will stand before the Almighty and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You are righteous. You are above reproach. You are perfect as you went through it. Woo! That's pure gold right there it's pure gold 
He goes on and says this. He says, listen, listen, listen. He says in, in chapter 4, just a few chapters later, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange things were happening to you. He says, listen, why are you surprised? Why do you like, oh, why is this happening? What is this ordeal that I'm going through? What is this circumstance that I'm working through? Why is this happening? God, he, Peter's going, listen, don't be surprised. He says, don't be surprised. He says, knowing that for you, you're testing as though some strange thing was happening to you. He says this. He tells us this. This is so important. He says, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. He says, listen, listen, here's what I want you to do. He says, so when the, the heat of life is turned up, when life is getting unbearable, and when that heat is, is being turned up, he says, I want you to turn up your rejoicing. I want you to match the troubles with rejoicing. When you feel overwhelmed with grief, I want you to match it and turn it up with rejoicing. Because here's the reality of it. I'm full of object lessons today. You either can be a thermostat or a thermometer. You're either a thermostat or a thermometer. Here's what I mean by that. A thermostat is set at a temperature... And whatever the environment is, the thermostat makes sure that that room or that environment or that situation is set to the temperature that you want it set at. So if you decide that you're going to set your thermostat at joy, you're going to set your thermostat at peace, you're going to set your thermostat at rejoice, then no matter what the circumstances are around you, no matter what emotions rise up around you, you've already decided that my thermostat, my life, my heart is going to be set at rejoice. It's going to be set at rejoice. Or you can drift and decide, I'm just going to be a thermometer. And a thermometer, what does a thermometer do? A thermometer adjusts to the temperature of what the environment is. And so if your situation is grief, that's what your heart will rule as grief. If your situation is is pain, that's what your heart, that's what your thermometer will be set to. You will adjust to whatever the circumstances are around you. Listen, don't be a thermometer. Be a thermostat. Set your life on rejoice. So when the room gets hot, the thermostat says, nope, I'm going to keep it at a nice 70 degrees and the air is going to kick on. Or the room gets cold and the thermostat says, nope, 
I'm not dropping down 70. I'm going to kick the heat on to make sure that I stay where I decided to set my heart to. And so when Peter is telling us, hey, when these fiery trials come, when the room gets hot, you've already decided that you're going to set your heart to joy. You've already decided that you're going to set your heart to peace. And he's saying to you and to me, he says, listen, but the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. He says, so that at the, also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. He says, listen, he says, when you finally see Jesus, your, your, your joy, your rejoicing, your, he's using the word exaltation, will be incredible. Like if you just stay in it, and you work through it, and you decide that you're going to set your heart to the temperature of rejoice. He says that when you see Jesus face to face, you will rejoice with great rejoicing. It will be so much better for you because you learn to stay in it instead of drift away from it. Going back to what Jesus said, John 16, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But look what he says. But take courage. You know what that word, that phrase take courage means? That word phrase, in some of your versions of your Bible says this. It means be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. He says, listen, listen. Don't, don't, don't be somebody that says, ah, oh, you know, I can't deal with it. Oh, I feel sorry for myself. Oh, I, I have so much grief. And listen, I sympathize with you. I hurt with you. I feel terrible. I'm walking. I want, I just, I want to just encourage you, but I just want you to know that would you make a decision and decide, you know what? This isn't fair, but it happened. I wish I wasn't going through this, but I am. I feel so much hurt, and I don't, I don't get it, and I don't know how to work with it. But Peter is telling us, he's saying, listen, match that with joy. And Jesus is saying, listen, here's what I want you to do. I know in this world, tribulations, but I want you to match that with cheer. I want you to match it with cheer. And Peter says, reminds us again, he says, in this you have great, you rejoice, greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. He says, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found, look what he says, may be found to the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, listen, as you prove your faith and as you're being shaped into perfection through that fire, when you stand before Jesus, you know what Jesus is going to do? 
He is going to praise and give you glory and give you honor. That's what he's going to do. This is what Jesus, this is what Peter's saying. He's saying, listen, when you stand before him and you've, you've allowed the fiery tribulations and the troubles to perfect you, he's going to glory. He's going to praise you for the ability to stand in there and not let those troubles be drifted away. One time, Paul and a partner, Silas, were in a city called Philippi. And Paul and Silas were sharing the good news of Jesus. They were talking about how you, know, you can be born again and you can receive him and in him you can have peace. And, and the people in Philippi took exception to that message. And they didn't like Paul standing up and sharing his, his, his beliefs and, and what he put his faith in. And so they decided that they were going to arrest Paul and Silas and they put them into prison after they beat them with rods. I mean, talk about troubles. Paul and Silas were taken captive, beaten with rods, put into a dungeon of a prison cell. No food, no place to, to go, no, nowhere to, you know, to lay down anywhere comfortable. It was just in this prison cell, just in pain and agony of experiencing a beaten like they've never experienced before. And so that was the their temperature of the room, if you will. That was the temperature. And it was hot. And they decided, you know what, we're not going to be a thermometer. We're going to be a thermostat. And it tells us in Acts 16, it says this. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Can you imagine being a prisoner with them? You got beaten to a pulp, man. You're probably not going to live till tomorrow. You're in this dungeon where it stinks beyond what we can even imagine. On a sitting and laying on rocks in chains. And Paul and Silas decide we're going to be a thermostat. And they start praying. And they start praising. And they start singing. And they're just lifting up joy and rejoicing and praise and giving God all the honor even after they were beaten. And then people were listening. And they were going, wow, what faith. Wow, what trust. Wow, in spite of that, wow, they're just still lifting it up to God. Well, God did something amazing, supernatural, a miracle took place. And the prison cells, when they did that, the prison cell doors opened up. And the jailer, the Philippian jailer, came in and he thought, they, they're gone they're gone. All the prisoners must be gone. And, and he thought to himself, well, because of that, 
they're going to kill me, so I might as well just do it for them. And he pulled out his sword, believing that the prisoners, Paul and Silas and others, were gone. He was starting to, you know, kill himself. And Paul speaks out, we're all still here. What? Yeah, we're all still here. I probably would have said, why? The doors are open. What are you doing? Now we're here. And then he says to Paul, probably after hearing his songs, what must I do to be saved? In other words, how can I have that faith? How can I have what you have? I just beat you. I just put you in stocks. You've been placed in this prison cell. And the response to that was you turned up the degree of rejoicing. How do I get what you have? And Paul says you just put your faith in Jesus. And you'll experience the peace that passes all understanding. And it says that they got together. And it says in verse 34. And he brought them into his house and set food before them. So the Philippian jailer invites Paul and Silas into his home. He says, and before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. They just turned it into praise and joy. Later on, Paul got arrested again, as he commonly did, placed into under house arrest. And he decides to write a letter to a church that started out of that experience, out of that jailhouse conversion. He, they started a church in Philippi as, you know, as a part of that experience that they saw. And Paul is in how, under house arrest. And Paul writes this letter to that same church. And look what he tells them. Look what he says. Philippians 4.4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Always? Yeah, always. Oh, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, any circumstances. No matter what color your trial is, rejoice in the Lord always. Always, again, I will say, rejoice. And when you do that, he says, and the peace of God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hey, turn that dial up. Turn the degree up of praise and rejoicing. Be a thermostat and not a thermometer. In Him, in Him, peace. Not in Him, tribulations. Tribulations. 
God, um, ah, so hard. Days, illustrations, circumstances. We all have challenges, troubles. I just pray that we're paying attention to those troubles. Knowing that they are something that you may want to do in and through us. To make us more like you. Because there's nothing that any one of us, there's nothing that any one of us in this room haven't gone through or will go through that you haven't already gone through. That you've already experienced. That you've already felt. That you sympathize with us. And whatever color of emotion or whatever color of trial that we go through, our peace is found in you. And it's found in us individually and it's found in us together. And that we are people who want to prove a faith that is real and true. That we want to be a people that have put our faith and our trust and a hope that is alive and is reserved for us in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.